Hey guys, <clears throat> welcome to another episode of Strange Days Live with Doc. Jennifer, good to have you. Came in a little bit earlier. Nice to see you here. Hope you guys are doing well. I just echoed you back to see what that means. Um, let's see here. It's kind of, I always kind of like to have a little bit of sound in the background, so. Uh, I've titled it uh, Spontaneous Human Combustion. For those that don't know, it's uh, when humans tend to catch a flame uh, for no particular reason whatsoever. Something that I've always uh, had a fascination for, and I've always sort of wondered why, what happens. And uh, it's been, you know, it's been in the back of my mind um, since the '80s when you kind of start when I first heard about the, the condition. So, spontaneous human combustion will be coming up uh, shortly. But first, we'll get to um, let everybody come in, get settled in the show. Then we'll proceed with some news of the strange and. We'll play a little bit of a of a game that I got. Um, I got an inkling you guys will enjoy. So I hope you guys are doing well. Jennifer, again, welcome to the show. We'll wait until people start trickling in and we'll progress with our um, business, if you will. I hope you guys had a good day today. I had a great day, a little long at work, but, you know, works out for me. Was trying to. This topic sort of just kind of flew in, uh, if you will, and I, I did some research while I was at work, and I, I enjoyed it. it was, it's pretty interesting, you know. Hey, JD, good to have you, buddy. How are you? Um, it's pretty interesting. It's, I've always sort of, like I said, I've always had a, I've always wondered uh, about spontaneous human combustion, and there's a, a lot of cases, and there's a lot of material out there. Strangely enough, right? Um, so yeah, we'll get that uh, going. Let me see here. I'm trying to figure some stuff out. So we'll play some we'll play some games as well. Cool, I got that set up. So I hope you guys are doing well. Um, you guys had a, a good day today, Thursday. Thank God tomorrow is Friday, right? TGIF coming up. Hope you guys had some plans. The new format uh, that I'm going to utilize will be basically probably have the, the weekends uh, off. Uh, depending on, on, on what I'm doing, just have a Monday through Monday to Friday show, uh, seven Pacific to nine. Uh, news brought forth by uh, an analysis of a strange phenomena, and I'm planning to resume the resume the the acquisition, if you will, of uh, of guests. So we can have some some guests on. I, I really enjoy that aspect of the show. Previously, to have guests on, and and I've uh, I got a couple of them lined up. So we're kind of going back to uh, to stage one, if you will. Um, I reached out to two of the previous hosts today. Had some good conversations. I spoke with Breezy, and uh, he agreed to uh, maybe in the future or the time allowed to come on. And uh, be the the second mate, if you will. And so I think Breezy will be uh, coming in in the next few weeks when time allows. Um, I reached out to uh, other people too, and 
you know, just sort of um, spoke about what was going on and, you know, everybody that's on the show yesterday sort of heard my take on what was happening. So I encourage you guys to go ahead and listen to yesterday's shows to give you an explanation of uh, the format, the personalities, and uh, the future of the show. I don't want to keep, you know, regurgitating the same information, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's all in, in, in yesterday's shows. So, you know, and it's an ever-changing show. So as, as time progresses and as things change, we'll make it more exciting. But I just wanted to kind of gather everything into the initial values of why I, of what I envision personally uh, for the show to be. And that is a place to uh, meet with uh, like minds that enjoy the paranormal, to interview uh, interesting people that are uh, within the community, and also to have fun. And bring forth understanding for this, uh, you know, this vast science or parascience, if you will, of the paranormal and have fun doing it and be a little bit more interactive with the guest and what have you. So, you know, that's sort of where I stand uh, today uh, as of right now. Hi, Michaela. Nice to have you here. So we'll just kind of give a few more minutes to have some people over. And uh, we'll get started. Today's topic of discussion will be spontaneous human combustion. Uh, there's a lot of graphic images out there. I'm sure you guys have seen them all. So I'm going to kind of steer away from the imagery because uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get dinged by Google. But uh, I'll go through what uh, the research that I did and uh, the plausible uh, explanations for this phenomena, which are pretty intricate and pretty fascinating uh, as far as you know, the lengths that people have gone to try to explain the, the, this uh, this phenomenon. If you're not aware, spontaneous human combustion is when uh, an individual uh, suddenly uh, becomes a flame, if you will. And, um, and that, uh, you know, that leads to mysterious circumstances uh, surrounding their demise. And so there's there's a lot of theories out there. There's been a lot of cases, more than I that I can account for uh, recently up until a few years ago. And I'm sure there's probably two or three or four more a year that uh, that, that we're not aware. It may not main, make the mainstream news because, um, you know, it's not a medical diagnosis. So it may sort of go under a different heading. But uh, yeah, it tends, it, it keeps occurring. And uh, that's what I find very interesting about this, this phenomenon. So I did a deep dive today to make sure everything was... Uh, you know, up to par, and I'll bring you that in a few minutes. So uh, I'd like to start the show basically with some uh, kind of news that um, that are news of the weird. So with that being said, um, uh, the first one that I found, this is for, by the shepherdexpress.com. They have great, um, it's a Milwaukee's alternative news source. They have a, a section titled News of the Weird, and they actually have a lot for this week. Uh, so one of them that I found pretty interesting, and I found a picture online, It's I'll be sharing in a minute, uh, has to do with a pet owner who uh, was very attached to their their furry, uh, their furry pet, and uh, they were troubled when their hamster uh, passed away. Uh, their hamster was named Hammy, uh, appropriately enough, and uh, the hamster was owned by one Jess Porter Langston, a 27-year-old female who lives in Brighton in the UK. 
And uh, upon the passing and the demise of uh, of our dwarf hamster, uh, Mrs. Langston uh, had the bright idea of having the hamster immortalized, which, you know, it's common, right, for for having small little furry animals, what we call in the U.S. taxidermy, right? And so she reached out to a local taxidermist, uh, paid about $200 to have her pet hamster uh, immortalize and um, and what's funny about it is that um, I'm going to show the picture so you guys can it was the way in which uh, Mrs. Langston chose to immortalize her pen, pet hamster uh, bring back the I'll bring here the, the photograph so you guys can I won't ruin the surprise if you will here and uh, I thought it was quite funny you know to each his own right um, <laughs> let me see here. What, where would I find? You know, I, I collect so much junk, uh, and I need to clean my desktop uh, on a daily basis because uh, I just have so much, so many pictures and so much stuff on my desktop. It's a mess. All right, guys. So, are you guys ready to meet Hammy? Right, here she goes. She decided to immortalize her pet hamster uh, as a pole dancer. Even uh, sticking little dollar bills on her um, on her profile there, according to uh, Jess, uh, who paid about two hundred dollars worth to have her pet uh, immortalized. She says that this hamster was so iconic, and all my friends knew Hammy and wanted to see him. Oh, it's a ham. Okay, it was as a male. Uh, he needed something special. Mrs. Langston added. So uh, the taxidermist. Um, <laughs> Posed Hammy on a small platform with a pole and sewed a little thong for him to wear, which is stuffed with tiny dollar bills. So you got this creepy little smile going on, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Langston said, and she was blown away. What is more iconic than a hamster on a stripping pole hustling for money? I don't know, uh, but it's pretty funny. It had me going there for a while. So, yeah, so there you have it. Uh, immortalizing your pet as a stripper. Uh, if that's your kind of thing, then you can go ahead and copy Mrs. Porter. And uh, the funny thing is that this took place in Britain, and uh, they decided to uh, not stick the pole dancing hamster with uh, pound notes, but they decided to use the good old dollar bill. So does that say something about uh, the American society? Do we tend to uh, produce more strippers? Uh, globally I don't know but uh, rest in peace Hammy I thought that was uh, I thought that was a funny a funny bit as far as uh, weird news to have somebody immortalized like that most people give uh, their pets a little bit more proper burial but uh, hey to each uh, its own right um Next story comes from the Lexington, Kentucky. The Lexington, Kentucky Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, appears to be desperate for tourism. Uh, God knows Kentucky is not one of my top uh, destinations, but uh, they seem to get the point. Uh, The Associated Press reported that uh, the Lexington Convention is actually using an infrared laser to send messages towards potentially uh, habitable planets in our solar system. Uh, within a 40 light year range. Uh, they want to lure extraterrestrials, extraterrestrials with the following message. Lush green countryside, famous bluegrass, 
Lexington native Robert Loder explained. He's an expert both in astrophysicist, astrobiology, and a SETI, uh, a SETI employee, which actually uh, conceived the idea. And um, they sought the uh, linguistic expert, uh, Dr. Andrew Bird, I guess, who somehow was able to manage to create this message. Uh, they also included the following, the molecular structure for water, the molecular structure for bourbon, and even dopamine, because Lexington, quote-unquote, is fun, he said. See you in 2064, that accommodates for the 40 light years uh, that it would take for uh, our alien uh, friends to come to Lexington for the bourbon. Yeah, very, very, uh, <laughs> very uh, unique idea. Now, we have a, a lady in Clearwater, Florida. Okay, she's a 42-year-old lady, so she's had some life experiences. Her name is Jessica Beatty. And um, she thought that she came upon a, an amazing idea to throw off uh, the court that she has to submit herself to uh, on a continuing basis by sending urine samples to because uh, Jessica Beatty has uh, mandated drug testing. According to the smoking gun, um, she didn't choose just any old random donor though, uh, meaning that Jessica was pretty loaded herself, so she didn't want to submit her own sample. So what did she, did she ask a friend? Did she ask her neighbor? No, she allegedly collected the urine from her aunt's dog. Uh, the ensuing debacle ended in Beatty's arrest on December 28th for both possession of drug paraphernalia, driving with a suspended license. Uh, she had prior prior convictions for cocaine possession and other offenses. When she was confronted on January 11th for her quote-unquote fraudulent urine sample, she admitted that it was in her pee. Her bond is likely to be revoked, sending her back to jail to think about collecting urine from someone else should she choose to go that way in the future, which I don't think is a good idea. But uh, a couple of things uh, we know. We know at least that the dog was clean. dog was clean for any sort of impropriety or any, uh, any sort of uh, <laughs> abnormal testing. So that's a good thing. Her, uncle dog, her aunt's dog is a clean dog. Go ahead here, kind of hit the, the our comment section, and I want to say hello to our listeners. What's up, Spark? What's up, Spark? Good to see you here, my friend. I like my strippers with C-section scars. You're an animal, Spark. <laughs> Robert Clean, welcome to the show. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, Lexington is fun. Yeah, it will be fun in 40 years, too. We're going to have a lot of uh, drunk aliens uh, kicking back there in the, in the grass. And you are in Lexington. Good. So uh, everybody, let's uh, let's try to get a uh, robot clean here to book some kind of uh, Airbnb for all of us in 40 years so we can enjoy the company of drunk aliens. I would love that. Uh, the aliens will have their horse farms and dominate the races for the next century. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Let's see what else. What other kind of trouble we can get into uh let's see all right so government in action is the title of this next article by the shepherd express and oklahoma a proposed new bill titled hb 3084 will prohibit students who prepare, uh, purport to be an imaginary animal or species i.e a furry 
from participating in school curriculum or other activities. KOKH TV reporter reported uh, Republican Justin Humphreys of Lane, Oklahoma, filed the bill on January 17. It would also require parents to pick up their furry offsprings from school or risk them being turned over to the animal control. Leave your cat ears at home, kids. Wow. So don't dress as a furry in Oklahoma, okay? I can get you in trouble, guys. Uh, that's, that's some funny stuff, man. All right, last uh, story from this website. It's called Positively Hitchcockian. In South, South, uh, Southwest London, patrons outside at Greg's Bakery are being warned of attacks by a hungry, hungry crow, a set of crows. A murder of crows, if you will. The Sun reported on January 16 that Mr. Para Singh, 23-year-old, who works nearby, said that it's happening every day. They all swoop down in a frenzy. Mr. Bays, 27, a barber, also said on Thursday a woman was eating a bacon sandwich and the crow tried to rip it out and nearly scratched her head. Locals are hoping the city council will call in a falconeer to scare away the crows. If I have any falconeers out there, uh, as listeners, uh, please uh, call Southwest London and offer your service. I'm sure that you can, uh, your services or the services of your falcon could come uh, in handy in the next uh, in the next days. And uh, you want all the Brits to enjoy their bacon sandwiches, right? You don't want to deprive them of anything like that. R.J. Ramrod, what a time to be alive. Yes, sir, you are absolutely right. Now, our next image that I found, it's, guess, this gentleman's criminal offense. Now, these are mud shots, which are completely legal to show. Uh, I've obtained these from the Smoking Gun, which is a very funny website. And I want the listeners to post uh, their thoughts about uh, the predicaments of this gentleman and what, what, what do you guys think he got arrested for. There you go. That is our first contestant. Okay. Go ahead and send me your theories uh, as to what, what do you think happened to this this, this uh, nice looking uh, gentleman here in regards to his arrest. I had a theory, uh, but it was the wrong theory. And then after this, we'll play uh, we'll play a game with you guys. But yeah, what do you guys think this gentleman got caught for? Guy looks like he's been through hell and back, and he looks to be very uh, how would you say that apologetic, if you will. I would too, man, getting arrested for something like that. Wow, my goodness. <laughs> Robert Clean uh, mentioned that proposed, uh, purposely bypassing the sneeze guard at the buffet. Yeah, ow, that's nasty. No. <laughs> That's not why he got caught, but yeah, that's a great guess, though. 
Hey Jennifer, how are you? Good evening from Vegas. Well, good evening from the IE in California. We can always come back and revise this gentleman. Uh, if you guys want to throw some ideas out there, we'll, we'll do it. We'll wait until I get a little bit more populated. We'll probably get started with today's topic. So I was uh, going through sort of starting the thinking process of, of what uh, liking the smell of drugs too much. Yeah, I think uh, I think Robert Clean. I think you hit you you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, he was actually uh, busted for cocaine uh, possession and. Uh, I would guess maybe use. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of sitting around thinking what um, what we should do our case about. I mean, our, you know, our show today about it. And then it just, uh, for some reason, spontaneous human combustion uh, came up. And I know that we haven't covered that in the past. So so what is spontaneous human combustion? Uh, basically, this refers to particular cases where a person is found um, burned uh, to, you know, expired they're expired and it's due to a burn or burn to death i don't think death is a bad word to mention but there's no apparent external source of ignition you know that's 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 a weird thing um disclaimer important to note that human spontaneous human combustion is controversial and it's often disputed phenomenon blah 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 but uh, you know there's um there are many scientists and experts. How do you become an expert? I don't know, but they are out there. Uh, they believe that this is uh, there's always an external ignition source involved, uh, whether it's visible or becomes invisible due to the, you know, due to the after effects of the burn. Um, you know, even if it's not immediately apparent, sometimes they, they've done some investigation and they've come to conclusions, but there's nothing really set, you know. Um, and there's also there's no scientific consensus. And um, it's never been, to my knowledge, it's never been filmed, but it's been witnessed multiple occasions. And there, there's been quite a lot of historical cases that are uh, attributed to, we're going to refer to as SHC, spontaneous human combustion. One of the cases um, that I like to, and like I said before, I'm not going to really show any pictures because they're very graphic and I don't want to get dinged by youtube and you can do your own i mean you guys can do your own research they're basically all you see is a pile of pile of dust and sometimes you may have a leg or an arm coming out of that disturbing nonetheless uh the first case is uh one of the cases is mary reeser r-e-e-s-e-r -E -E uh this case occurred and was reported in 1951 now uh, Mrs. Reeser was a, was a 67-year-old woman, and she was found burned to death in her apartment in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, the only remaining evidence was her skull and a portion of her backbone. Okay, uh, the fire had consumed most of her body, but this is something that's very uh, strange and often associated with with uh, spontaneous human combustion, and it's a fact that. Anything that's surrounding the the victim, uh, it's it's basically untouched, such as surrounding furniture and objects that are lying either right next to them or within the vicinity that you know on a regular fire would uh, would actually uh, be be part of the fire. So you basically have you go into a 
just picture going into a room, seeing a pile of ashes. Sometimes we may have a foot, a leg, and you may have a localized charring, if you will. But then beyond that, everything seems to be okay. Uh, very strange. So yeah, that's how, that, that's how she was found. So um, they, they've uh, Mary Reese is also known as the the Cinder Woman or the Cinder Woman case. It's one of the most uh, actually famous and cited cases uh, when we come to discuss. And nonetheless, it's the first case that I chose to present to you. Uh, again, to recap, this occurred in July second of 1951 in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, how was her body discovered? That's a great question. Uh, Mary Reeser uh, lived alone in her apartment. And on the morning of July 2nd, uh, her landlady named Pansy Carpenter became very concerned. She actually noticed that uh, Mary's doorknob was unusually warm. Okay. So she made, maybe they had a friendship. She came by to check on her and then she felt that the, the doorknob was extremely hot. Mind you, it was July 2nd, so I don't know what time of the day, but it was hotter than than it should have been. So uh, the landlady actually went, retrieved the keys, uh, became concerned, was able to enter the apartment, and that's when she encountered these, that discovered a very gruesome scene. Um, all that was left of uh, Mrs. Reeser was a small pile of ashes and a shrunken skull, believe it or not. That's very odd. Uh, what made uh, Mrs. Uh, Mary Reeser's case particularly perplexing was that the apparent intensity of the fire that consumed her body, you know, different things burn at different temperatures, right? So, for example, when somebody passes on and if their wishes is for them to be cremated, um, the temperature of, of the cremation, which, you know, I'm going to look it up right here. Um, it's 350 degrees Fahrenheit, the chamber uh, of somebody who, who was cremated, okay? That, that's the temperature that they, they often reach, 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, but uh, it's also, um, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. The, the, the furnace can also reach temperatures between 14 to 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, at that temperature, a lot of times when people cremate their loved ones, they, they once the process is finished, they sweep all the bones into uh, an appropriate box, and then uh, they have to go ahead and grind the bones. Uh, the bones need further grinding because uh, often fire will not consume them. It's the fire is not high enough. Uh, the temperature is not high enough for the bone to be completely consumed. So a lot of times there's bone that is left over, and that bone needs to be grinded down and turned into a dust. And yeah, so, you know, it's gruesome, but it's reality. So in this particular case that we're discussing now, um, when when Mrs. Carpenter, who was the landlord, uh, entered the room, she, you know, she entered, she basically saw a small pile of ashes and a shrunken skull. That means that everything else was completely consumed. So at what um you know what plausible explanations do we have what how can something reach such high temperatures that you're able to to melt uh to disintegrate basically bone you know and the other weird thing was that her skull was shrunken 
Uh, now, according to like medical experts, when it comes down to asking them and to give their opinion in regards to spontaneous human combustion, they, they've often said that uh, the high temperature of uh, created within the, the cranial vault, if you will, uh, would cause the, the, the skull to, to, to burst as opposed to shrunk, to shrink. Uh, because the brain is composed largely of uh, fat and fluids, so that would cause an, an explosive uh, event rather than uh, a shrinking effect. So I, I thought that was very interesting. So, you know, we encounter, we're kind of in, into the weird uh, here that, um, you know, that something that just throws red flags up in the air that this is not just your average uh, burn uh, victim, correct? Let me go to the comment section. Okay. Um, just because I, I want to keep it. Yeah, certain areas are burned. Yeah, the, uh, the Jennifer's is uh, not burned, cremating. I don't know my back. Okay, there's any. Uh, I don't know of any. Uh, that's a great question, Robert. I don't know of any uh, animal that's uh any cases of animals actually spontaneously combusting that's a great uh, great great thing i should have to i should have to look that up yeah shrunken skull um yeah 350 would take forever yeah uh, but they increase the temperature actually um they increase the temperature to the 2000s 2000 degree and you're right, it wouldn't burn paper, paper right by Fahrenheit 451. So, yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. Just wanted to kind of recap with the, with the talk. So, going back to our case of Mary Reeser, um, uh, what made uh, her case even particular, uh, particularly more perplexed, uh, excuse me, perplexing was that the apparent intensity of the fire, just as I had talked, the fire had destroyed most of her remains. Uh, yet the surrounding furniture, even the, the room itself, were relatively untouched. That's just plain odd. Uh, there was minimal damage to the apartment and the fire had not spread beyond the confines of the room. With that being said, uh, how was the doorknob warm? You know, I'm going to, I'm kind of, I'm going to probably assume that it was related to being summer months. Because, you know, if the room is untouched, how do you explain the, the door being warm? Anyways, but that, that's what led to the discovery of, of, of Mrs. Reeser. So after this unusual thing took place, there was a forensic analysis taking place. The gentleman in charge was Dr. Krogman. He is actually a forensic anthropologist. So these are the people that are uh, that their job is to go to digging sites and uh, investigate how the the people that have been, for example, like in Egypt, how they passed away, people that have passed away a long, long time ago, they're able to retrace the steps and figure out how uh, our ancestors met their demises. And uh, along with Mr. with Dr. Krogman, there was also a Dr. Curly. Uh, sounds for Dr. Curly. And I like the three stooges, uh, Curly with a K, uh, who is also a forensic pathologist. Both of these gentlemen concluded an in-depth investigation into the case, um, and they actually concluded that the fire that uh, took the life of Mrs. Reeser had been fueled by the fat in Mary's body, leading to a level of destruction that seemed inconsistent with ordinary combustion. Remember the fat, okay? 
because that's one of our one of our possibilities or what one of our explanations for spontaneous human combustion has to do with body fat so just kind of keep that in the back of your mind so after undergoing the analysis is that uh, her her fat was actually uh, the fire was fueled by the fat okay so what kind of explanations uh, besides uh, the forensic analysis were they able to come up with well the, the a lot of various theories actually spawned from that that were trying to you know to explain the circumstance this was the 1950s you know things like this weren't weren't even today they're not common happenings so uh, some of the people suggested what is called the wick effect and that's what i wanted you to kind of in the back of your mind to keep uh keep the word fat where uh so the wick effect is basically how the wick acts uh on a candle okay so in this in this scenario uh think about it as a human candle so the clothing okay our our clothing the clothing of the victim would act as a wick and the body fat would act as the wax of the of the candle so um the clothing is acting as a wick and it's drawing all the melted body fat into the fabric and then, then creates a candle-like effect. So, you know, the, the candles, there's a process in the candles where the, the, the wax actually is able to make its way inside of the threads. Uh, and that provides a little bit of combustion. So same thing here, the fat will probably go inside of the fibers of the clothing and it would keep the, the fire sort of burning, if you will. Um, but that doesn't explain to me the high temperatures that you need uh, in order for for this thing to take because i can if there's a simmering fire there for hours you know let's say that the this lady was seen and let's say that was for 10 hours she was not seen so in that 10 hour period i can see the process of a of a waxing um of a wick effect taking a taking taking a, taking place okay but i don't know i don't know how she was able to reach those temperatures in order for the bones to be uh, compromised. So that's the weird thing. But, uh, you know, the explanation that Dr. Krog, uh, Krogman and Dr. Curley gave also had its critics, right? And they, they actually argued that this explanation did not fully account for the extent of the destruction uh, of served in, in, in Mary's case, which is exactly what I what I just said. Okay, it makes sense, it's possible, but how do you account for like the, the level of destruction, yeah? So I'm gonna go here, go back to the comments. Um, let's see. Uh, Ramrod said, the doorknob being noticeably warm suggests to me that it was involved in the process by which she underwent combustion. Yeah, okay. Um, some sort of target energy weapon through the metal. It could be could be but then i mean who would target a 51 year old lady and um and i'm sure that this is 1951 and i'm sure if somebody wanted to do away with uh, with this lady there's other methods that are probably you know more less tedious if you will than having you know creating this whole scenario of like spontaneous spontaneous human combustion um but yeah i mean those are plausibilities right Disclaimer: I'm not a spontaneous human combustion expert. I, Ramrod, I never said you, you, you. I never said you were. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's, it's nice to take that into account. You never been to spontaneous human combustion school? We understand. 
and, and you're we, we, if if you wish to enroll, let me know. Okay, I'll probably do a semester then with you. Uh, hey, Rebby, how are you? One of my favorite topics. Awesome. And um, we don't know anything about this woman. No, we don't know. Just uh, it's true. Fifty-one year old, but uh, very odd. It was a very specifically inclined ageless serial killer. Could be, right? What would you name this uh, serial killer? We'd have to have an elaborate name. Um, yeah, no, that's true. Some people just get off doing crazy stuff. But there's cases that date back to the 1600s, so this guy will probably have to be uh, undead as well. Yeah, so um, so what was the public reaction? You know, go back to the 50s and you think about, you know, they found a lady half-melted. Uh, they were probably thinking maybe some aliens with a space gun shot her or, you know, Actually, it became a media sensation, believe it or not. Uh, the Mary Reeser case ga- 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 garnered widespread media attention, uh, and it actually contributed to a lot of fascination about the subject and also fear surrounding the concept of spontaneously human combustion, which, yeah, I mean, I would be afraid of it too. You never know when something uh, weird could be happening and you can be the, the next, uh, you know, the next possible victim is pretty scary. Uh, so the obviously the reports were sensationalized, uh, and after and after tend to focus more on the mysterious and unexplained nature of the incident. I mean that's what sells, you know. Mrs. Mary gets attacked by an unknown force would sell better than you know, lady dies of burning wounds or what have you. And there's also your controversy and your skepticism that comes along with, you know, unusual things, right? So despite the attention, uh, the scientific community as a whole remained very skeptical about the idea of, uh, and up to this day, it remains very skeptical about the idea of spontaneous human combustion. Many experts have argued that there must be, or there must have been an external ignition source, even if it wasn't immediately apparent. I get that, we all get that, but how do you explain the temperature? <clears throat> That's my thing, right? I mean, people have, <clears throat> excuse me, people that have been charred in, in accidents, uh, are, uh, aeronautical accidents, or just house fires, don't uh, burn down to the bone. The bones don't don't, don't melt, disintegrate, I should say. So, in conclusion, the Mary Reeser case remains unsolved and controversial. We're talking about it here, what, 72 years afterwards, right? Uh, well, some continue to cite it as evidence of spontaneous human combustion. Scientific consensus has leaned towards the view that there must have been an external ignition source. I said that already. The case serves as a historical example that fuel discussions the fuel discussions, uh, yeah, nice word. The fuel's discussion about the mysteries and limits of fire-related forensic investigations, right? Yeah, man, that's that was that was an odd, um, that was an odd case. Let me hear intend uh, to the chat. Undead or extra-dimensional? I agree with you, uh, Ramrod. Yes. Robert Clean, let's see your theory, buddy. Time traveler, auxiliary killer with a focused energy weapon who can feel like a big man unless he creates an explicable crime scene. Yeah, I get you. I like that, actually. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you solved it, man. I'm going to put here. Um, solved. Why not? 
the victims seem to be random yeah he's a random kind of guy uh so but but yeah <laughs> that was cool one second so this 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 other cases here and they, you know they they're, they're i i show they're, they're spread out there's a 1950s the next case we'll be dis uh, discussing will be a case that occurred actually in 1966 I could spell correctly here i hope you guys are having a, a good uh, good time out there uh this is uh it's a good time for me just kind of keep a my own sort of pace and uh, be a little bit more interactive so all right so let's go back to our second case of the night second case of the night this is um happened like i said before in 1966 and uh, the victim was dr john irving bentley okay uh, dr bentley was an elderly physician who was found burned to death in his bathroom in pennsylvania his body was almost entirely consumed by fire but the rest of the house was largely undamaged. So there was a little bit more damage, but uh, not uh, figuratively more than uh, the case of Mrs. Reeser. So let's go to the facts of this case here. Um, this is another case that is very, you know, that's often discussed when it comes to spontaneous human combustion. And I think it's important to take into consideration the month. Okay, so we have a case that occurred in, in July. And now this case occurs in December of 66 in Pennsylvania. Um, give me. And uh, in Pennsylvania in December. So this is a cold, cold weather, if you will, a cold weather case. You know what? Um, I wonder if you. One second, guys. I don't want to miss any calls. I know we're a call-in show. Uh, but I haven't given up my number and I just got a call. I wonder if that was a caller or I think the best thing to do will be for you guys to come in as we used to do them before. If you guys want to contribute, um, just join us in the back room and I'll bring you in. And that way we can have a chat over within the program that I used to transmit as opposed to just having my call up. If deliberate human combustion can happen, man, uh, yeah, if, uh, uh, yeah, I'd rather not know that. I don't want to turn myself into a pile of ashes. That's a great uh, thing, Jennifer. Yeah, a lot of medications, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into detail into that in the uh, as far as uh, possible causes uh, in a little bit. Uh, JD, coming. I wonder if you could ever have a chemical reaction in the body that could cause it, like potassium and water. Very that's you guys are doing great investigating work because that's all part of the conclusion of all the uh, of all the cases so in regards to uh, dr john irving we determined that this case occurred in pennsylvania cold state and it occurred in december of 66 so let's see what were the circumstances of the incident uh, who discovered dr bentley uh, he was an like i said before he was an elderly physician he was in his late 90s so likely not practicing medicine anymore and he happened to live alone uh, on December 4th of 1966, uh, a meter reader. We, uh, these are the people that, you know, go home and home reading your meters to see how much electricity you have used, uh, was able to discover his charred remains in the bathroom of his home. Um, so the lower part of one leg 
and a slippered foot remain untouched by the fire. So this is an image that I'm sure you guys have, have probably seen. Uh, the rest of his body had been almost entirely consumed. So similar to other cases associated with SHC, uh, the fire seemed to have been intense enough to cause significant damage to the body, but the surrounding environment, here we go, was comparatively spared. Uh, the bathroom itself showed minimal signs of fire damage. Um, investigation and concluding autopsies, the local authorities were very perplexed by the unusual circumstances surrounding Dr. Bedley's death. As anybody would, they ruled out conventional explanations for a fire uh, starting in the bathroom, such as a faulty wiring or accidental causes. You know, a lot of bathrooms back, uh, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, even in some of the current homes, uh, they they didn't have... Uh, they had the, the, the way to heat them. They had these... Uh, these heaters on the wall. So I remember we, um, my mom's house, when I was growing up, we had the, the house was probably built in the 50s and we had, a, and if we went to the bathroom, we had these um, little things on the wall that if you flipped a switch, uh, you would have uh, like the, the, the coils. Uh, it would be like an electrical furnace. Furnace is not the right word, but you guys know what I mean. You would turn on the, the, the thing and the, the, the wires would start heating up. Uh, and so, you know, I'm sure they rule that out. You know, if it's, if doctor's taking a bath or a shower, he turns on these little mechanisms, and next thing you know, it's something that he's wearing catches on fire, and then you have the whole, the whole thing take place. But no, they, they, I absolutely rule that out. Um, so there was also a forensic uh, investigation and there was an ensuing autopsy, which was also conducted and uh, revealed uh, that the cause of death was actually consistent with burning. It doesn't take a genius uh, to come up with that. But however, uh, the specific details of how the fire started remain elusive. Don't you? Yeah, I was discussing it today. The case drew attention from both local and national media due to its mysterious nature. Here are some uh, theories, excuse me, theories and speculations. Um, some speculated that Dr. Bentley's death was an example of, uh, of um, spontaneous human combustion because of the unusual circumstances, which kind of match with our first case. And then they also talk about the wick effect. Uh, there's also skepticism and alternative explanations. Uh, all the alternative explanations are pretty similar through all the cases, and they all have to do with an external ignition source, even though the investigation did not cause that. Um, and also it says that um, there's lack of scientific evidence. So, you know, then you have another case that happened in 86, uh, this is uh, George Mott, who was a 58-year-old man, was discovered burned to death in his living room in upstate New York. Fire seemed to have started uh, from his torso, leaving both his head and extremities relatively intact. And there was a case in 1982 of Jeannie Safin. This case is pretty, um, pretty scary. I saw... Um, was it you done? This was I don't think it's correctly. There was yeah, was it the Genie Safin case. There was a there was a case I think that it was actually witnessed. Um, give me a second, because yeah, there was a case. It was actually there was a case. Well, this is um, 
I could have sworn it was this one, but I guess I could could be wrong. But uh, just to finish it, yeah, sixty-one-year-old woman who was found burned to death in her London apartment. The fire appeared to be appeared to be localized to her body with minimal damage to the surrounding. So they share all these things, right? Localized. Sometimes they're not; they're partially burned. They're not fully burned. Uh, we can establish they can happen at any time of the year. Um, okay, yeah. So this is yeah. So. This is the case. Actually, I was right. This is the case that I'm going to go a little bit more into depth because I find it pretty interesting. Because this case was after it was actually witness. I'm just going to go ahead back and tend to the comments real uh, Yeah, well, I'm going to get there. <laughs> Jennifer is right on. Uh, body fat is an accelerator, but there has to be a spark. Um, Ramrod said, I mean, we've seen plenty of documented cases with monks who exert so much control over their own body temperature they can drip themselves in soaking wet batches in freezing weather and dry them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, monks are something else, man. Smokers, uh, yes. Uh, potassium and water. Fight rover, those monkeys better be careful. Too many bananas and they could be a disaster. This <laughs> yeah, man. Hot monk and monkeys. Radiator, yeah, the radiator. That's what they're called. Thank you, Jennifer. And uh, what is the wick effect? Okay, I'm gonna go back and explain to you guys the wick effect uh, in a little bit more, a little bit more thorough. So, give me a second here. Eh, it's important to kind of know, you know, all, all the things that encompass um, the, or uh, basically lead you to achieve a, a case of spontaneous human combustion. So the, the wick effect is actually a proposed explanation. Uh, it suggests that certain under certain conditions, uh, it can lead to the human body acting like a candle, okay? And the person's clothing acts as a wick and their body fat acts as the fuel source or the wax. You know, when a candle burns, we have the wax and we have the wick, right? The wick is often made out of cotton material or some kind of uh, thread that's conducive to ignition and uh, a lot of the, the wax itself seeps through the veins of this uh, wick and it's able to kind of maintain the maintain the the wick aflame okay and the slow burning of the um, the slow burning of the candle also generates a vapor that's that, that keeps uh, the, the wick uh, burnt excuse me a light if you will so uh, in this in this case, the cloth the clothing acts as the wick, and their body fire is the fuel source. So the theory attempts to explain cases uh, where actually a person's body is uh, found burned to ashes, uh, often again minimal damage to the surrounding environment. So this is how, in theory, the wick effect is thought to occur. So ignition source. So you have an external ignition source, such as a cigarette or open flame which comes into contact with a person's clothing. Uh, the initial flame is believed to start the process. So before I, before I go on with this, I want I want to discuss it. It'll make more sense if I discuss out of all the, um, out of all the examinations and all the research that's been done uh, from people that have been thought to have suffered or their demise via spontaneous human combustion. There's factors that are very common to, to all of these people. One uh, will be age. So many reported case, cases of alleged spontaneous human combustion uh, involve elderly individuals over over the age of 60, 60 and I want to consider elderly, but that's what they they want to 
consider it. So yeah, so one of them is age. They all have that in, in particular, people over 60. Uh, another thing, alcohol consumption. Some cases have suggested that the individuals had a history of heavy alcohol consumption, and it has been proposed that high levels of alcohol in the body might increase flammability. Okay, so you have age, you have alcohol consumption, and another factor that's seen, it's obesity. A number of individuals reported to have experienced spontaneous human combustion were overweight or obese. The theory here is that the high fat content in their body would act as a potential fuel source. Fourth, immobility or limited mobility. Uh, this may be related to the delayed discovery of the incidents. People who are often bedridden and un unable to get away uh, or unable to get help. And the fifth factor is smoking. Okay, so age over 60, alcohol consumption, obesity, immobility or limited mobility and smoking. So those are the five things that would uh, go into play into what has been most commonly associated with, you know, when you gather all these cases, things that they had in common. So the age, um, it's important. And so it's the limited mobility, I would say. So going back to the wick effect, uh, you have the ignition source. So, you know, uh, let's say cigarette, right? You have the clothing, so, you know, we all wear clothes, so we all kind of fit there. Uh, body fat, you have obesity that serves as the fuel and also serves as a sustained burning. You know, fat will give you that sustained burning. And uh, limited fire spread. Uh, the fire is contained within the immediate vicinity of the body and does not spread. This could explain why some cases body is almost entirely consumed. So I saw there was an experiment done uh, on, on this where they they actually put a cigarette butt on a pig. And I, I believe you can probably find this on, on, on YouTube. They get a, a cigarette and, and they put it on top of a pig and uh, lo and behold, you get a spontaneous, what we would describe as spontaneous human combustion. During hours and hours and hours and hours of burning, you ended up uh, with the pig almost fully charred um, I didn't see the bone structure of the pig being affected, but I did see the pig being, you know, turned to ashes, if you will. So, you know, you have the, the, the that's what I would consider the wick effect, right? Um, let's see, JD, not sure right today, but best if I stayed away from, yeah, man, stay away, but we don't want you to see it go, go up in there. Uh, Immobility makes more sense, yeah, and yeah. So uh, what what they also say is that people could have a, you know, they could be smoking, they could have a stroke, they could have a heart attack, they they pass away, then their cigarette falls on their laps, and and then it goes into this this wick effect, and then you know alone. So then they're discovered day, day, days later, and uh, yeah, so. That's what I came with, uh, that was my conclusion. But the, the only thing that it was kind of unanswered was the fact, how do you account for the bones or how do you account for the temperature reaching that high of a degree of, 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 uh, of, uh, of temperature? How do you, you know, it's super, super high. There was a gentleman who actually, I tried to contact late, I should say, but he wrote a book in regards to uh, spontaneous uh, human combustion. 
And if he ever replies, I would love for him to to be on the show so we can kind of revise this. Um, he, uh, let me see his name. Goodness. His name is Arnold. What was his last name? Because he has a, he has a book and he's a, he has a proponent of a theory that actually, it's a little bit out there, but this gentleman is a, a physicist. Yeah. His name is Larry Arnold. Okay. And, um, he wrote a, he wrote a book, it's called Ablaze, right? That was the name of the book that he wrote. And he actually wrote a, a mathematical equation and what he found to be called a pyrotron. So just to do a summary of the book, um, one second here. So um, as far as I do a quick summary of the book, so since there's no, uh, oh, and then I'm going to go into the case about Genie, which is witness. Uh, so basically he is a proponent against the Wick uh, theory. He says that, you know, one can say a person has sufficient fat to incinerate bone to powder just as easily as one can say that the moon is truly made out of cheese. That's doesn't make it true. That was his his whole thing, which I I, I follow the line of thought. So we there's no way you can, you know, uh, incinerate bone. Uh, so according to him, the Wick theory begs a lot of question. One question is quite simple: with with uh, which uh, no no proponent of uh, SHC has actually answered. If a person can self incinerate so completely in a chair or a bed because of fat or adipose tissue, which is fat, uh, in his torso and the, on their limbs. Why, why do they cremate, uh, the, yeah, the cremation owner invest almost hundred thousands of dollars to, for filtration system and, 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 and their systems to be able to reach, um, these high temperatures if it was so easy, you know? So it, it lends credence to the fact that you need to have extremely high temperature for that to happen. Um, and so in chapter seven of the book, he, he examines a solution based on quantum mechanics. And that's when he proposed a hypothetical subatomic high energy mass that was dubbed the pyrotron. Pyro, it's uh, short for like fire. So firetron, uh, such as an electron. When it smashes into a quark or a proton in a person's body, the energy release is catastrophic and instantaneous. So I guess the, the, this particle would be the principle for igniting the whole the whole body uh, aflame. But um, you know, he was able to explain his thoughts with a with a particular formula, and that's as far as I got. You know, as far as like his theory. So he thinks that there's a, a particle that we all possess in our body that has the potential to create this fire at this intensity. And then you have the wick effect. So you kind of choose from, from there what, what you like to, to, to choose and, you know, what explanation you would like to, to adhere to. Let me go to the. Yeah, you can save your family a lot for a funeral cost, right? Pyrotrons being a discount yes <laughs> let's see here so i'm gonna go to this particular case so the genie safin she was uh she was born in england so she was 61 and she passed away in 1982 september in north london 
Um, let's see here. Safin's case has been held as an example of uh, a spontaneous human combustion uh, because, uh, let's see, Jack Safin's son-in-law, Don Carroll, uh, was at home at the time of the fire. He stated that Jeannie had flames coming from her mouth and made roaring noises. So her, it was Mrs. Safin, her father was there, and so was her son-in-law. And they said that uh, she was sitting right next to her father, and they said that her father, from the corner of her eye, saw Jeannie right next to him, just spewing fire from her mouth. Um, and she actually survived the incident, but died tragically eight days later. And according to initial reports at the hospital, the doctors told the family that their the, the the fire had started from within uh, within the victim okay so meaning that the fire was it was it was an inside out procedure but the weird thing is that when her medical autopsy was done uh the findings were completely changed saying that there was no injuries to the insides of mrs safin there was no trauma to her mouth and that she had been burned all right. So, at the time of the fire, it's important to mention that uh, Jack Safin, which was um, Jeannie's father, happened to be smoking. He was smoking a pipe, and he had just put put it uh, put down the ashes. So theories claim that one of these embers uh, was able to make her way into her gown, and she caught fire. But that's not what the witnesses of the event, including her father. Uh, said to happen and uh, from what the doctor reported to what the autopsy findings uh, showed were discrepancies so yeah I just thought it was interesting case pretty scary stuff all right uh, oh let me see <laughs> robot, robot clean says the one thing all these people had in common that goes commonly overlooked is that they had a dark and secret crime in their past that they have to be judged for yeah maybe they were judged <laughs> they were judged in life sad but yeah so well, what do you guys think about this i mean there's a lot of plausible explanations but uh for me i just if somebody was able to explain how a body can reach the, those high temperatures and that, that will be that that will probably be the winner uh the winner for me yeah so pretty interesting stuff with uh <clears throat> when it comes to all this have you guys uh if you guys have any your own theories you're welcome to put them in the comment section uh robot clean robot robot clean mentioned uh, Pyrotron, fire and subatomic particle hero, <laughs> was his electron properties. He can be anywhere at any time until observed. Pyrotron leaves only ashes and wake as doles out judgment. I, Marvel, DC would be interested. I would read a comic about Pyrotron. The uh, Pyrotron, the Pyrotron, the Avenger. He's a, he's a he's a hero. You call me? Yeah, he's a he he, he uh, lays down the law with judgment. I like that pyrotron. 
see here. All right, I think I'm gonna Let's play a little game. Let's play a little game here, let's see. I found the smoking gun, I think it's a really fun site. Um, this is called, <laughs> this is called Match the Criminal, or actually Match the Arrestee, the arrestee with, their, uh, with their alleged crime. Okay, so you have uh, our candidates. We have six candidates here. We have five elegant, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we have um, we have crimes right below. And uh, our mission for for ourselves, not for Pyrotron, because we we know what Pyrotron uh, would do to e each single one of them. It's to match, uh, try to match the crime with the face. So we have a, a lady who seems uh, a little bit sad and remorseful. Uh, we have a gentleman who looks like he's been through a lineup before. We have a younger gentleman with a very uh, detailed and uh, methodically groomed mustache who seems to be scared, but not too scared. Uh, then we have a lovely lady uh, who looks a little bit unimpressed with the whole arrest. Uh, and then we have a gentleman with uh, enough facial hair to uh, coat, uh, able to make a, a coat for a small child out of, uh, who looks to be either um, high or unfazed by his predicaments. So, um, so Ramrod, we have Ramrod first. So, so cyber stalking. Who, 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 okay, I'm going to go through the list. Obviously, I'm going to go through the list of of of, uh, of charges. The first would be strangulation. Okay, so one of these people here was um, was charged with uh, strangulation. Then we have an aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Okay, we have a home invasion. We have indecent behavior with juveniles. We have cyber stalking, ladies and gentlemen. Ramrod feels that either number one or two are cyber stalkers. You guys agree? I tend to disagree. I would cast. I would cast my cyber stalking with possibly number five. I think five is probably. He kind of has that look of a of an IT guy that sort of went rogue. Okay. All right, Michaela. Yes, I agree. Cyber. Okay, so that's two votes for cyber stalking. And I think, let, let, let's just see, we're gonna match. All right, so cyber stalking, we're gonna do number five. Then we have strangulation. That's a, let's leave that for, for, for a little bit later. And indecent behavior with juveniles, we'll leave that for the end. Uh, our lovely lady at uh, number one, um, I think she looks like the type that could maybe, um, try to aggravate a battery with a deadly weapon. What do you think? Maybe a Starbucks mug. I mean, any, anything could be, well, no, it has to be a deadly weapon, right? So a knife would be a knife, an aggravated battery. Uh, I'm kind of inclined to go with that one. Um, 
All right, five looks like a home video. Okay, fine, five is a home. Okay, so let's do that. Let's, uh, one, two, three, four. Well, five already kind of got stuck with cyber stalking, but Michaela wanted to change it, so well, let's change it. So cyber stalking there, and five, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay so five, ramrod. Okay, the strangler, number one is a strangler. Let's see, the strangulation, really? Okay, all right. We'll do one strangulation. I'm actually gonna, the home invasion. Uh, I think the bearded guy, man, for some reason, I think he's kind of like the home invasion type. No, number two, definitely. Definitely number two seems like the kind of guy who's like, hey man, I just broke in the house. What do you got me here for? What are you doing here, man? And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Uh, mustache, groomed mustache, I think he's been indecent. I think he has uh, issues with indecent behaviors. Fourth guy, I don't know the fourth, the, the fourth, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think the fourth is a guy. I think it's a lady, to be honest with you. So but I'm going to home invasion i'm gonna go with uh, i'm actually i kind of feel this indecent behavior with juvenile so that would leave the aggravated battery with a deadly weapon for the gentleman with the beard how do you guys feel about that should i make some changes let's see fourth guy looks like the incident with the juvenile uh that's actually a lady i'm not sure if i'll buy that um the last guy could be in decent behavior yeah you know it's a toss-up it's either for some reason the guy that looks sort of like timid but sort of creepy at the same time with a one of those uh stashes seems like he's kind of been inappropriate looks like a PE teacher gone rogue uh four battery one two three four battery you think though huh so should i should i switch up four and five Five of molester, man, it's a lot of things going on. You guys want to reveal? Should we re do a reveal? We what we'll do, yeah, let's do a reveal. Submit here. Boom. Let's see how we got. Damn, we were so bad. I got the home invasion. So I'll tap myself on the back. Um, the lady on number one strangulation. Um, okay, sorry. Uh, okay, so aggravated, uh, yeah, the home invasion we got right. So the lady was aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Okay, our um, our gentleman home invasion we got the right. The, okay, the guy with the mustache, IT guy, cyber stalking. Okay, uh, our lady at number four strangulation, and our gentleman. Uh, somebody called it indecent behavior with juvenile. The guy that seems to overly groomed guy. Okay, I mean the under groomed guy seems to be. Damn, we're bad guys. Let's do another one just to see if we can see if we can do better. All right, here we go. We have uh, <laughs> we have a nice uh, looking thirty-year-old uh, guy with a home run T-shirt uh, from that famous uh, '80s movie. Right, I forgot the name of the movie, but he's wearing. A, we got a lot of people actually wearing. Hey, they're all wearing. Uh, they're all wearing. Uh, movie t-shirts you got jurassic park you got a lady wearing the mclovin you got the fast and the furious and you got pulp fiction out of all those uh i like pulp fiction best out of all those movies i think jurassic park was mm, yeah pulp fiction definitely one of my favorites the sandlot that's right 
So we got The Sandlot, we got Jurassic Park, we got, uh, I don't know the name of the movie for McLovin, but uh, Fast and the Furious and Pulp Fiction. All right, so here what we got, we got a false report of an emergency, all right? We got felon in possession of firearm. We have somebody who was evading arrest. We have a narcotics possession and we have a domestic assault. How are you guys feeling out there? Shall we start? Uh, McLovin is from Superbad, correct. Um, all right, so what are you guys feeling? You feel, uh, let's go by the Jurassic Park. She's kind of bright. Yes, I agree with Michaela. Uh, she looks like the kind of type of my, you know, she looks like the type of girl that might call fire in a theater when somebody lights, lights up a smoke. So I think I'm going to agree with Michaela on that one, on two. And I'm going to see reporting a false of an emergency. Domestic assault. I can probably see her getting a little bit psycho. Uh, not psycho enough. She looks pretty kept. You know, she for somebody who the, who um, did a domestic assault, she looks pretty pretty kept. So um, the McLovin lady looks like she committed some kind of domestic uh, assault to me. And I'll change these, but she looks like a little bit of domestic assault. Um, Felon in possession of a firearm. I'm gonna go to. He's wearing an old school Sandlot shirt. Um, evading arrest. I'm gonna, narcotics. I'm gonna go with this dude. He's kind of looks like it's a little bit dirty, kind of tweaking a little bit, and evading arrest. Now these are my choices, but we're not gonna submit until you guys. I'm gonna take take you into account. Five false report. Okay, so we got a discrepancy between. Two and five, two and five. Four is possession of a firearm. All right, so let's. I'm gonna switch it up for you, Jennifer. So, possession of firearm, and would that cover the narcotic possession? Right. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and submit. Boy, we're bad. We're bad. Can't read people. So the first one we said narcotic possession. We were wrong. He's actually evading arrest. Um, for lady number two, domestic assault looks very kept. She, I guess, she's the one that took the, you know, the, the, the beating. Obviously, uh, so we were wrong there. <laughs> uh, McLovin, okay, Hawaii drug movie, the narcotic possession. Okay, good. Goes with the shirt. Um, a fast and the furious guy, he actually reported a false report of an emergency. And Pulp Fiction guy is a felon in possession of a firearm. Who would have thought? Boy, you guys want to do another one or you guys want to move on? Game makes you sad. Why does it make you sad? We do suck. It makes you sad. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, the F Fast and the Furious guy. I wonder what he reported. I wish he had more insight into, like, what he reported, huh? <laughs> See, that goes to tell you, we cannot, you know, we, we cannot judge people because we suck at judging people. Uh, we'll play the last one, and then we'll call it a day um, for today. So let's see here. We got uh, some interesting uh, 
we got some very interesting mug shots here. We got some sort of uh, hair uh, mess. I mean, to each his own, you know, it looks a little bit complicated to, to, to keep, but kudos to her. Then we got a, an upset lady. Uh, we have a, a gentleman who something sluts. Uh, I think that's a, that's a band, right? It's a band logo, but I don't know what that has to do with sluts. Then you have a gentleman who looks uh, just kind of, you know, chilling with a nice beard. And then you have a pretty lady with flowers in her hair. That sort of Hayden Ashbury. Very pretty lady. Let's see what the... <laughs> Let's see what their um, what the crimes are. One of them has uh, no motorcycle license, another strangulation, uh, P involving J's. So, okay, so P involving J's, uh, computer aided solicitation of a M, and marijuana possession. Boy, these are, we're gonna probably suck at this. So, I guess from what I've learned is not to go with my instinct, right? Um, so, okay. <laughs> That's funny, Michaela. If number one was riding the motorcycle, he wasn't wearing a helmet. Damn. Well, maybe he's wearing the helmet. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no kidding. So number one and number three, I don't see them wearing a helmet, to be honest with you. Uh, number one, definitely not wearing a helmet, but uh, it's not... So that's okay. So that goes, you're a cop. You see somebody riding, you stop them, right? Um, running a motorcycle, not wearing a helmet. And that's how they found out that uh, this person doesn't have a license. I'm going to go for that. We're going to do you deduce, uh, use deduction. Oh, one second here. Sorry, daddy, I have daddy duties coming up. Um, so we'll, we'll make this quick. So I'm gonna go with the train of thought. Number one was riding, yeah, number one was riding motorcycle, wasn't wearing a helmet uh, with the, yeah. And so he got pulled over and then they found out he doesn't have a license. Let's move on here. Um, strangulation, well, this guy loves sluts. So this guy's probably involved in some pee for sure. Um, I'm gonna go computers. I'm gonna go. This chick looks kind of 60-ish, and this lady looks upset, like she she could do some of that. You guys agree? Yes. All right. Let's see. All right. We're gonna reveal this here. Submit. Bam. Okay. We we uh, motorcycle license. Awesome. At least we deduct. That was a good call, Michaela. Um, wow, computer aided solicitation of a minor for that lady. Goodness, MJ possession for the slut sky, P involving J, the gentleman with neck beard, and strangulation for 60s girl. Who would have thought? Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Wait, well, we can probably play this uh, some other time. It was fun. All right, uh, so I got a I got to tend to some daddy duties, if you will. Um, thank you guys for being part of the show today. And 
for remaining faithful to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I truly enjoyed um, this time. I like the, you know, short and sweet. We don't have to drag things on. You know, eventually we'll, we'll get um, <clears throat> we'll get some sort of co-hosting, which is ideal. So that way we yeah, that, that way we're able to kind of share a little bit of duties. And um, and there are some people that are willing to do that. So I'm just kind of looking at all avenues right now. We'll do a little bit of co-hosting and uh, we'll do get back to our i'm going to get back into our search for interviews and uh yeah i wish you guys all the best thank you for listening to another episode of uh strange days live with your host doc on this beautiful thursday january 25th of 2024 you guys i hope you have a wonderful friday tomorrow uh if you don't work the weekends it's your last day so use your energy pull through and enjoy your evening. So I'll be here tomorrow and uh, bring some other weird thing to talk about. So God bless you guys. Thank you for joining. Have a great day.